Hi, this is Bruce Valance, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Up on board, it's time for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 508 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, Bruce Valanche joins us. And Bruce, of course, has been writing for the Oscars for many, many years and he's won Emmys, and he's written for way back when with the Donnie and Marie show, the Brady Bunch Hour. Uh, he also wrote for the Grammys, the Tonys, Bette Midler, uh, Barry Manilow, all kinds of people. Get ready. We've got a great story coming for you for, with Bruce Valanche. It's going to be fun. He's going to be uh, at the California Independent Film Festival on Saturday, September 1st. Check him out there. And we'll have all that information coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. What do you say? Let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, the big screen remake of Sonic the Hedgehog has been moved up a week for release on November 8th, 2019. And the cartoon character, Wiley Coyote. He's going to be getting his own big screen film in its in development, and it's called Coyote versus Acme. He stops chasing the Roadrunner to seek revenge on Acme, the company you know that he has uh, all those devices from, and they always fail on him. He's going to get his revenge on them. It's Coyote versus Acme. Get ready for that one. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Upcoming new movies, it looks like Dwayne Johnson's going to be moving into the drama field of movies. He will star as Hawaiian King Kamehameha in an epic drama called King. Robert Zemeckis will be directing it, and the filming starts in 2020. Bradley Cooper will write, direct, and star as Leonard Bernstein in a biopic of the American composer. And uh, Cooper will also star in Atlantic Wall. Now, this is a film about an American soldier trapped behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. And that's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. Taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. 
Sequel City, it looks like Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise will not come out on July 12, 2019. As previously said, it has been pushed back a complete year to June 26, 2020. Now they're saying the extra time is due to complications and the complicated filming sequences of the flights and everything. So we'll keep you updated on that one. And the sequel to A Quiet Place will arrive on May 15th. 2020 and the new terminator movie will fight its way into theaters on november 15th 2019 that's it for sequel city next on it's going to be on tv on dvd tv on dvd well it looks like on august 28th uh ncis los angeles season nine hits stores on dvd and bull season two arrives on september 4th and also on september 4th hawaii 50 the eighth season lands in stores. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on screen to be on what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, City Slickers, the collector's edition starring Billy Crystal will be coming to a special loaded Blu-ray release on October 16th and September 25th. It looks like Skyscraper with The Rock will be landing on digital and on October 9th It'll be on 4K, 3D Blu-ray, Blu-ray, and DVD. And the last, Sharknado, It's About Time, flies on to DVD on November 6th. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen to be on TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time. Roseanne is out, but the Connors will continue. Dan, Darlene, Jackie, Becky, and DJ will return, and it premieres on October 16th at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on ABC. And uh, uh, it's going to be called The Connors. And Diane Lane and Greg Kinnear will join the cast of House of Cards for its final season, and TV's Bewitched is going to be remade, but there's no guarantee it's going to be hitting the airwaves. It's just the pilot they've been calling for. So we'll see what happens with that one. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen to be on Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get it to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity Birthdays. It looks like on September 1st, Barry Gibb turns 72 and Lily Tomlin turns 79. September 2nd. Keanu Reeves turns 54. September 3rd, Charlie Sheen turns 53. And on September 4th, Damon Wayans turns 58. And September 5th, Michael Keaton turns 67. Raquel Welch turns 78. And Bob Newhart turns 89. And on September 7th, Corbin Burnson turns 64. That's it for Celebrity Birthdays. As far as listener birthdays, Mandy L. of St. Louis, Missouri, turns 43 on September 3rd. If you, a friend or a relative, are going to be having a birthday, send the information to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that on for you, and we'll all wish you a very, very happy birthday. And that's it for Listener and Celebrity Birthdays. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Bruce Valanche is going to be joining us. He has been a writer for the Oscars, the Grammys, the Emmys, and Bette Midler shows and specials, and Donnie and Marie show way back when, the Brady Bunch Hour, uh, all sorts of things. And 
He's coming up next. He's also going to be at the California Independent Film Festival. He will be making an appearance at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. And you can check him out, see him there. He's going to be given the, the Maverick Award from the California Independent Film Festival. And a film he's in is going to be shown, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, get ready for that. But right now, get ready for Bruce Valanche right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, we have a writer and actor who won multiple Emmys for his work writing for the Oscars. He also has written for the Emmys, the Grammys, the Tonys, Bette Midler, Comic Relief, Barry Manilow, and so many others. And we have seen him on Don't Mess with the Zohan and Hollywood Squares, to name a few. (laughs) And he will be at the California Independent Film Festival on Saturday, September 1st, where he will receive the Maverick Award. And at 10 p.m. at the Castro Theater in San Francisco, there will be a tribute to him. It's Bruce Valanche. Bruce, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Wow, a late night tribute. This is exciting. I know. When, I hadn't even. I hadn't even heard the schedule. Yeah. So this is great. When I heard a tribute, I thought, <laughs> "Did you pass?" Or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, these days you can't tell. Every day, somebody else. They're they're coming thick on the ground now. <laughs> Well, it's well deserved. I mean, it's it's looking at your your credits, it's incredible the amount of things that you have written for. I know it's it's staggering. And it, you know, this is proof that if you don't focus on any one thing, you get to do everything. <laughs> so, tell us, how did you get involved? And, and just so our <laughs> listeners know, like I said, when I say you've written for the Oscars, you've written for a lot of Oscars. <laughs> Uh, 23 by actual account. Wow. Starting way back. The first, my first year was Snow White. It was the Rob Lowe Snow White year, which was a great scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was back in 1989. So there were, there've been quite a few since then. So who was not, the... not, not so many scandals. There's something every year, you know, oh, somebody yeah. gets pissed off at it every year for, yeah. for one reason or another. So, so who was the first, uh, host that you was hosting the year that you started? Well, the the first year, uh, there was no host. They were coming out of a period of uh, doing a lot of stunt hosting where they would have couples and they would have uh, uh, friends of Oscar, 10 people would do it. So this was a no host year. Okay. The following year, it, it and it was a scandalous show, the following year uh, was Billy Crystal's first year. So And, and then he did uh, a couple of them in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was off. He wound up doing eight, I think, altogether, yeah, and, and those, counting. Those I, I guess you have to say because it's never over until it's over. Right. But um, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's uh, second after Bob Hope, who did 190 of them, and I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, at one point, I knew I lost track. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I used to love it when Bob Hope and Johnny Carson did them, and uh, but but Billy Crystal when he came on. He really did a great job, and and now I take it it's because of the writers behind it. Is that correct? Well, of course. Who else? <laughs> Although you know, he writes a lot. I mean, he's a writer. Um, but what he's done that was 
reinventing it uh, was he became like a full service host. I mean, he would do uh, not just a monologue in front, but a, an opening, a number that would be a parody of opening numbers on the Oscar show. Mm -hmm. And then one year out of sheer necessity, we did a film package because no, that was the first time that the Oscars were dominated by independent movies. And um, uh, so we did a, uh, a, a clip package of uh, uh, of all of them to with him in each one of the movies to show because people didn't know what the movies were we, we said the nominees were tom cruise and a lot of other people <laughs> and that was the year the english patient won it was mm -hmm. wound up being a huge winner as a matter of fact mm -hmm. so then we had the movie package to do so we had the number the package the model the first 20 minutes of the show was the billy crystal special <laughs> which people loved oh yeah and it, was, and it was great and of course gave us a great opportunity to to write and have a good time so how much of, when we're watching the Oscars, how much of it is that host or that person doing the, you know, the awards and whatever is them, and how much is you and the other writers behind the well, scenes? It's it's all them. I mean, he set the template, and so anybody who came in wanted to do, wanted to open big and do a whole hosting thing, not just come out there and, and introduce people, mm -hmm. uh, do jokes and introduce people. So generally, over the last bunch of years, the hosts have been people who have television shows every night mm -hmm. or every afternoon, and so they come in with a full staff of writers who they work with every day, oh. and they do all of the stuff that they have to do for, for the host. They figure out all the spots the host are going to be in and all that. The rest of the show is written by a couple of people who are um, who are become liaisons with the host. And sometimes it's, it's if I'm there, I am on both sides of the of the track. I'm working with the, with the show and with the host. So it, it's complicated that way. I mean, it, it used to be much easier when uh, when well, I guess when Hope was doing it, Hope would do his own stuff with his own writers. But only he just did what Bob Hope did, monologues. Bob never wanted to do an, a, a production number or mm -hmm. be in a clip or any of that stuff. Uh, I mean, the show was long enough as it was right. <laughs> without yeah. all of that. <laughs> now, so. is it hard for you guys to deal with that, you know, you know the stress of m not making it too long, but trying to restrain it, you know, so everything sure. moves smoothly? I mean, basically, the feeling has been we know it's going to be long. I mean, why hide it? I mean, this is, you know, like it's coming up on what the 90th, 89th year, something like that. We know it's going to be long. So, uh, what they've done this year, finally, is uh, remove some of the categories from the show and do what the, the Emmys, Grammys, and Tonys do, which is to have a pre-show and announce them and acknowledge the winners on the air. Mm -hmm. Now, the Oscars would never do this. I, I kept saying, when the ratings get low enough, they will do it. And last year, I guess, hit rock bottom, and they decided attention must be paid. So the first thing they did was to, to cap it at three hours, which is, a, is everyone laughed at that. <laughs> and uh, the way they were going to do that is by eliminating some of these below-the-line awards. Now, they haven't announced which ones those are going to be because the minute they say sound effects editing gets is below before the show that's when the, the sound effects guild will then the board of governor from the sound effects department will 
begin raising holy hell. Mm-hmm. Why us? Yep. <laughs> so th- this this spectacle has yet to been played be played out, and we're all going to have a great time. I, I you know get popcorn and uh, and cheap chablis. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> so are you still writing for the, the Oscars? I write off and on. I'm I'm not officially on staff. I get brought in a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, um, and you, but you never know. I mean, they haven't announced the producers for this year's show. They and that's the first step. And then the next step will be finding a host. And uh, a lot can happen twixt now and then. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I was reading a, a little uh, segment where it said that you guys were writing. For you, you sort of write on the fly, um, and Billy Crystal, when when um, Jack Palance did the one arm, the one arm push ups there, yeah. and you, then what, what do you keep feeding him new jokes as the, the evening yeah. goes on? Well, we when when uh, that happened, we said we have to we'll throw out what we've got, and we just have to use Jack as a running gag because it was too delicious. When it oh happened. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny and that, and then we won an Emmy for that year, so that became kind of a template for. Uh, for succeeding hosts, basically, uh, what you want to do is you want to keep the show alive and and the spontaneity of it. You want to you want people to know it's not canned mm-hmm. that this is actually happening live in front of real people. So um, when something happens that you can react to, uh, it's great if, if it's in a good spot for the host that the audience will will know what he's talking about for the host to come back out and toss out what he was going to do and find something uh, relevant to what just happened, what they all just witnessed. Mm-hmm. And it's worked on all of those. It's become the thing for all of those shows. Wow. So they basically, uh, there's always, there were always stationed in the wings watching the show like everybody else. So we can rewrite hastily wow. uh, <laughs> if something happens that's worth, uh, worth rewriting. So you, when you saw, so Jack, when he went out there and did that push-up, he wasn't told to do that. He just did it. No, I mean, he's crazy. <laughs> first of all, you know, the, the first thing you remember is that he won for City Slickers, which was Billy's movie. Right. Yeah. So he and Billy had a relationship, and Billy had been doing jokes about him because he's just so crazy. Uh, he'd been doing jokes about him for a long time. So the first thing people forget, but the first thing that Jack Palance said when he got to the podium was Billy Crystal, I crap bigger than you. <laughs> You know, it was class all the way. And then he did his speech, and then he started doing the, the push-ups in front of Whoopi, who had won the year previous and had given him the award. Mm-hmm. So, of course, because he had, like, thrown down the gauntlet, you know, and done a crack about Billy, Billy thought, okay, well, I can come back and do something about him, and it it won't be uh, untoward. And um, that was how it began. But, you know, he wasn't told to do it. He wasn't, you know, nobody, no, a winner can do whatever he wants, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, yeah, a winner can do basically whatever he wants. So, uh, they, you know, they don't care. I mean, they, they don't like it. But actually, the, the, the most wonderful, memorable moments of that show tend to be people who do things when they win. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so, what we remember. They, so, they're, they're also very, those are the emotional moments, you know. Right, yeah. So you must be sitting there, all you guys, you know, who's ever doing the the writing. You must be sitting there, and you see something like that, and you say, "Ah, oh, this is gold here." Oh, it's terrific because for somebody to make a fool of themselves so early in the evening, <laughs> it's wonderful because you can just carry it through for the rest of the evening. Mm-hmm. Usually, that stuff doesn't happen until the very end, like Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. Oh, geez, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, the thing was over. Everybody, you know, had one eye on the door, and then all of a sudden, you know. 
the the A bomb went off. Mm-hmm. Well, but the but the thing is, everybody seemed to not really blame them, but but say it was their fault. But all they're doing is reading what was given to them, right? I mean, uh, yes, they were given the wrong envelope. Yeah, I mean, so it's not and, really uh, their fault. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, it also it looked it looked kind of awkward. I mean, first of all, I, I, I love Warren and he's a friend, but Warren is not a stage actor. Warren has doesn't Warren has never done anything in his career, at least since 1962, that didn't involve the second take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's a movie star. Right. So when he's up there and stuff happens, he's like he's not the guy who's going to jump in. And and do something spontaneous and uh, and clever and all that. That's not his thing, and certainly it's not Faye's thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when she read the wrong thing and she realized there was a kerfluffle, she got out of there fast. <laughs> and he was he was stuck doing it, but he had a great sense of responsibility. He felt he had to explain it to people mm-hmm. that yeah. you know they had uh, they had not screwed up. They had been screwed up the screwed up the pond. Yeah. Because it was it was the, uh, the the two accountants from Price Waterhouse mm-hmm. who were uh, at fault, and they were both uh, relieved. Those responsible had been sacked. Yeah, yeah, they're they're McDonald's now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so doing their books. So if you hear that McDonald's is losing money, you know why. <laughs> we'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So uh, now, besides those two things that we just mentioned about the push-ups and the, the that uh, the ending there with the you know the mistake that happened, uh, what other events have occurred that come to your mind as being you know probably the most fantastic thing that you could write about <laughs> uh, on the on the Oscar show? Yes. Or any of the oh, other uh, events that you've done. I mean, you know, like you say. Well, I mean, I was called to mind last week about um, on the Grammy show that I did where uh, we had uh, Pavarotti was going to do Nessun Dorma. And um, he came and rehearsed it and went home. And then the show was live. And, and he called from the car to announce that he was not coming back, that he didn't feel he sounded good. And uh, he wasn't going to do it. And we were in the middle of the show. And there were all these, you know, choir people standing around waiting. And as it happens, Aretha Franklin was living in New York for six months studying classical music. And the night before, she had done a benefit for the musicians' uh, union. And um, she sang Ness and Dharma, (laughs) which was a great surprise to everyone who didn't, who'd never heard her sing anything classical. And she was brilliant Mm -hmm. of course and she was sitting in the audience because she was nominated not for that she was nominated for a rhythm and blues award and uh, so we crawled up the aisle to her and we said uh, uh, Pavarotti has canceled and she said "Uh uh-huh 
and uh, she said, I said, and we heard you sing this in Dorma last night at, um, uh-huh. <laughs> and we thought maybe you would want to get up and like just sort of do it now since we have an orchestra and it's all ready. And she, she said, uh-huh. And I said, we could put the lyrics in the teleprompter. And she looked and she said, I know the tune. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so, so, I, so so the producer said, would you do it? And um, she turned to the person she was sitting with and she said, watch my coat. Wow. <laughs> and up she came and she went out and she did it. About 20 minutes later, she went out there. Kelsey Grammer was the host. And I wrote something for him to say to explain that Pavarotti was taken ill. And uh, and we had a special surprise guest who was stepping in. And out Aretha came, and the audience went nuts. I'm sure. Because that was the last person they were expecting to see replace Luciano Pavarotti. Mm, wow. And she was great. You know, she was Aretha. I mean, no one's mm. you know ever going to sing Nessun Dorma like that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was a great moment. Thank you, Luciano. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, not only are you looking for things like that, but you guys must be worried about things like this that that happen. I mean, you know, you're stuck. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you do everything you can to back yourself up. If that's the expression I want to use, mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm talking about a colonoscopy. <laughs> but. Basically, uh, it's live television, and whatever happens, happens. I always tell people it's it's the Super Bowl of entertainment. I mean, uh, when they, when they sell it to advertisers, that's how they sell it. So it's the Super Bowl of female appeal, which means that you know if you if you are trying to sell Black and Decker tools, you're probably not going to buy a spot on the Oscars, mm-hmm. you know. But if you're looking to sell feminine hygiene products, baby, this is your crowd. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it, like the Super Bowl, it's the top of the game. It doesn't get bigger than this in the show business world. Right. And uh, so there's there's all the same kind of pressure. And also like the Super Bowl, people who don't watch football, people who don't watch television, watch the Super Bowl. People who don't go to the movies, people who don't even watch movies on television, watch the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. It's one of those cultural watersheds. Yep. And uh, that makes the audience wildly diverse and weird because some some of them will get everything and some of them will get nothing. And and yet they watch. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's fun to write. It's fun to work on because it's all happening live. And, you know, it's it's as nerve wracking as as it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you, you you got a prediction of who might be in the running for this year? Well, um, I think we might see Lady Gaga because I hear that this new version of A Star is Born is very good that Bradley Cooper wrote and directed and stars in Mm -hmm. and that she is quite wonderful in it. This might be the year that Glenn Close finally wins for a picture called The Wife, which is is out now in limited release Mm -hmm. um, and will will go wider. But I understand that she's quite fantastic in it and she's been nominated, I'm, I'm guessing, seven times and not one. Yeah. And so... That means two things. It means that uh, there's a general feeling in the industry that she's due. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been employed because she was in a movie. Yeah. So a lot of people feel like they could pay her back for what she's done mm-hmm. by giving her this award. And that sounds crazy and like 
the opposite of what people are supposed to think when they're checking the ballot. But if we've learned anything from recent elections, it's that you never know what people are really going to do once they get in that booth. Right. (laughs) So what do you think of the new categories they've added, the new category? I think it's ridiculous. I mean, they ironically, the first year, 1927, they had two categories and they gave two awards and they dropped it for very good reason because it sort of denigrates the idea of the best picture. If it's the best picture, it's not the best picture. Oh, you, the best popular picture? What's that? Yeah. So, I mean, this is an extension of what they did when they expanded the category to include as many as 10 nominees for best picture because they, they didn't want to, to miss a, a big movie that was critically acclaimed as well as publicly accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the studio period, the big movies were what people went to see, and those were the ones that got awards. But along about 20 years ago or so, it all began to split up, and little movies that the industry loved were getting awards, and the big pictures that people were going to see were being overlooked. And I think it came to a head with The Dark Knight, uh, when it didn't get nominated, and they said, well, we want to make sure that that if we have more more in the category, then it'll be uh, we'll be able to to make sure that a picture like that gets nominated. The irony is that uh, the, it, this was probably because there was a fear that Black Panther would not get nominated. Although everybody loved Black Panther, critics loved Black Panther, audiences loved Black Panther, it, it was going to get nominated. I mean, it would be amazing if it didn't because the industry loved it. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, but. They want to make sure that it gets its props. They don't want to be caught. You know, Oscar so white doesn't want to be caught yeah. with his with his pants down. So, uh, but and I I hope it doesn't last. I mean, it strikes me as being a, a bad idea. Yeah. And and it's not the People's Choice Awards. It's the Academy Awards. Right. It's an industry thing. It's always been. It's ninety years. It's been people who actually make movies. Mm-hmm. awarding people who may actually make movies. Yep. It's not a popularity poll. It's not the critics. It's not, uh, um, you know, a, 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 a random sampling of voters. It is actually people who make movies. So mm-hmm. yeah. there you go. Yeah. Now, I, I know we're getting close to the end of the time here, but uh, I, I just okay. I wanted to jump into your, your uh, appearances on TV that you've done and in movies, but uh, Hollywood Squares, uh, what was it like working on that show? Because it seemed to be, you know, sort of like the old Gene Rayburn uh, match game type thing. It seems very loose. <laughs> yeah, it was very loose. I mean, we, we shot... Uh, we shot a whole week in a day, so we'd come in at like 9 o'clock in the morning and shoot three shows and then have lunch with a lot of wine and then shoot two more shows <laughs> and be done by 4, 4.30. And so the last, the Thursday and Friday shows that you would see would be much looser than the early shows because everybody was kind of, you know, loose and enjoyed a beverage. Uh, and it was... A lot of fun the way we did it because it was like a party all day long. And um, there are these nine people up there and they're having a great time with each other. And and uh, nobody takes anything too seriously. Everybody was given um, bluff answers to the questions. They, no one's given the real answers because if the contestants felt that they, everybody knew the answers, they would agree with them all the time. There'd be no game. Yeah. So – uh, they were told they they have they don't know the answers, but they get jokes written about them. So 
Um, and sometimes they use them, sometimes they'd make them up. It would even itself out. And we had an interesting panel of, of squares every week. Some of them were like comedians, and we'd write for them. And some of them were just people who were not considered funny. And those are, of course, always, they get the biggest laughs when they actually say something funny. Because mm-hmm. yeah. no one's expecting it. No one's expecting Garth Brooks to come out with a big a big joke. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it it, it uh, just seems so so much fun. It, it just you know that's why Hollywood. It was, was it was great. I mean, it, it, you know, last, the first one uh, lasted fourteen years on the network and uh, uh, NBC, and I was I came in at the end of it as a writer, and then um, the second there was a second version that lasted five years in the eighties with, with uh, Joan Rivers in the center square, John Davidson. Mm-hmm. Hosting, and then our version, the Whoopi version, yep. with Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. Tom, <laughs> not Tom Berenger. He's a very serious actor. Tom Bergeron. Bergeron. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's. Uh, I mean, it just. It, I'm sure they'll recycle that again some other time because it seems like they. Well, you know, those they are actually. I mean, uh, there is a thing called Hip Hop Squares, which is actually produced by the. Uh, well, the, the rights for the original Hollywood Squares people, but the Hip Hop Squares, and it's all rappers because rappers are so funny. Mm-hmm. And it's now on, I think it's on VH1 now. It was on MTV2, and it moved to VH1. Okay. And I can't, I, don't, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it, they they <laughs> they bought the old set and they blinged it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you have a, a real Jones for it, just search, search in your DVR for Hip Hop Squares. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. See what comes up. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, first off, congratulations too. Uh, here, I've, I've waited this long to, to, to congratulate you on your Maverick Award at the California Independent Film Festival. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, uh, now Saturday, uh, September first, you're going to be at the yeah. Castro. And uh, yes. have, have you ever been to the Castro? Oh God, yeah. yeah I've done a couple of uh, shows there. I've emceed. They used to do a series of like where they where they would drag. Hollywood legends up there, and I would interview them. I did uh, Mitzi Gaynor. I mm, remember I did yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, and I did a few others. But I've done that, and I, I did something else. Oh, I know. I did the porn awards. <laughs> there was there was the gay porno awards, which were a benefit. Mm-hmm. I I hesitate to point out. <laughs> it was a benefit for an AIDS charity, uh, but it yeah. was that was fun. Yeah, and, and it's it's a fabulous old venue with oh, a huge organ that, speaking yeah. of gay porn <laughs> that that is incredible i was talking with the one time with the guy who plays the organ and yeah. uh he was saying that there's only so many people who are allowed to play that because it's so you know so yeah, touchy. i used to know i used to know the guy I, I, he passed a few years ago i can't remember his name but yes and and i've i've actually only seen them use it once mm-hmm. i think that that uh when we did Mitzi, I think they they played something on it. Is it like a prelude? Yeah. Well, a, few, <laughs> a Mitzi overture. <laughs> a few years ago, I was at the uh, the the film festival. Oh, I did Patty Duke. I also did Patty Duke there. I just oh, remembered that. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, legend. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, at the film California Independent Film Festival, they a few years back they did uh, they had some presentations there and they played. Um, uh, Julie Newmar. Uh, uh, oh yeah, you know that she was there. Julie was there, and they were before oh, the whole thing right. started. They were playing that organ, and it was like, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a beautiful theater. I mean, you know, the old mm-hmm. style theater. So yeah, uh, it's a nice, nice venue. 
And uh, so you're going to be there, and then they'll have the tribute for you and, and everything. So it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. One of those, I get the Maverick Award, which is cute. I wonder, I don't know who, if Jody Foster comes with it. Different Maverick. <laughs> no, I, I think James Garner's going to be. It's James going Garner's way back. Going to zoom everybody. And yes. Try. Well, Bruce, I, I thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, oh, I'd like to finish up with two final questions, though. Yes. Taking us away from all the things you've written for, all the shows and everything you've been in, but more on a personal note, what are your favorite TV shows? When uh, Growing up, what were your favorite shows then, and what are your favorite shows now, and what were your favorite movies then and now? Oh, my God. Wow. Well, growing up, I loved all the, the big variety shows, because you know, I'm old enough to remember... Ed Sullivan and Sid Caesar and uh, mm-hmm. uh, all of those, Judy Garland, Andy Williams. I mean, I, those were Danny Cage. Those were the things that I was you know, crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now <laughs> now I watch British police procedurals. I, I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of, uh, of American shows, except uh, I guess, you know, like everybody else, Netflix and Amazon have taken over right. the, um, the, the narrative. I mean, the, the the American shows are they're not they're written on a different level. Mm-hmm. They're not interesting. They're they're formulaic and not terribly interesting yeah. to me. Yep. So I mean, if I said I love Vera and Grantchester and things like that, people maybe maybe some people would go, oh yes, so do I. But a lot of people will go, who, what? <laughs> um, and the movies, uh, you know, I yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, when people ask my favorite pictures, I don't. You know, I don't know that I have a favorite. I mean, I mean, I like movies for a lot of different reasons, right? Yeah. I mean, I love Tom Jones, which is a movie that nobody remembers. I remember 1964. Yep. It won the Oscar. Won the Oscar, picture. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I also, as a kid, I was attracted to the spectacle. I think the first movie I saw was The Greatest Show on Earth. Mm-hmm. Which also won the Oscar for Best Picture was Cecil B. DeMille following the Ringling Brothers Circus, mm-hmm. and and uh, putting a story on, and it was amazing. And there was a picture called "There's No Business Like Show Business," so you could see where I was headed. Yeah, with Ethel Merman and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, Marlo. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. and um, things like that. Yeah. And wow. today, I don't know. My 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 tastes are really eclectic. I couldn't put my finger on. Mm-hmm. Could you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's so many. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, mean, I enjoy uh, people, movies. I mean, people ask me that, and I say, I don't, you know, I was astonished to uh, to see the AFI a few years ago. I put a, had a list of the hundred greatest movies, and I was interested and amused to see that there are sixteen movies better than All About Eve. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, All About Eve is like one of the great movies, yeah. and, and it's uh, about the theater, which of course is one reason why I'm attracted to it, but. Yeah, and I looked at the other at the you know the sixteen movies that were that were better than All About Eve, and you know they were newer, and that's about all they had to recommend them. Yeah. As, in, in terms of is this picture better than All About Eve? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And while you were talking, um, at the, before we just started this this segment here about uh, what's your favorite shows and everything, you mentioned uh, variety type shows and things like that with things you liked, and I just wanted to mention so people realize that. You were one of the writers for Donnie and Marie show? 
Oh, yeah. And the Brady, we can blame you for the Brady Bunch Hour, right? (laughs) I did all nine of those. Yeah, yeah. I came to Hollywood to do Variety, and I did. Wow. And then Variety promptly died. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I grew up with Donnie and Marie uh, watching their shows, and and they they were great shows. Yeah, they were fun. I mean, I haven't looked at them lately, but when we were doing them, they were fun. And there was something – they were as tongue-in-cheek as they could be considering all the uh, constrictions that we had. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was – this was probably the only major – uh, television show done, done with with the entire Mormon Church looking over your, our shoulder. <laughs> well, well, and what weren't they in, uh, uh, produced by Sid and Marty Croft? They were. They were. Yeah, yes. They were until the family took over themselves. I see. But yeah, sure. And they had all of that, you know, Sid and Marty stuff, the ice skaters and right. Uh, you know, in the office we had it, it, Sid used to Sid gave out for Christmas one year um, a uh, a framed thing and it was uh a wall hanging and it was glass and um there was a confetti and a balloon and feathers behind the glass <laughs> and hanging next to the frame was a little tiny hatchet and there was a note attached to the hatchet to the, there was a note on the glass that said break in case of finale <laughs> Jeez. Every show ended with confetti, feathers, and balloons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was like a Rip Taylor. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was exactly right. It looked like uh, like Rip Taylor come to life. Right. Sometimes he was also in the finale. Yeah. Well, Bruce, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us, and it's, it's been a lot of fun, and I, I very much appreciate it. And if people are in the My area of San Francisco on Saturday, be sure to stop by at the Castro, and they can uh, meet you. All right. I'll be there. Big thank you going out to Bruce Valanche for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, like I said, if you're in the area of San Francisco, he will be at the Castro Theater for the California Independent Film Festival where he will receive the Maverick Award, showing his new film, and they're going to do a tribute to him. A whole lot of fun going on. California Independent Film Festival is always a lot of fun, so be sure to check that out. But uh, if you aren't in that area, support the Independent Film Festival in your area because there's, uh, it's, they're always a lot of fun. You see some great films, and you just get to meet some nice people too. So check them out. And uh, that's it. That is it for this week on On Screen and Beyond. I've been able to keep uh, the shows coming at you at a fairly decent rate right now. But, uh, you know, like I said uh, a couple weeks ago there that uh, I'm working on the film Bonji Bear and the Kingdom of Rhythm. So I'm, I'm being split in different ways here. So things are a little hectic. I'm going to keep trying to get the shows on as fast as I can, but uh, there may be a times when it's going to go a little bit longer, but we'll see what we can do. And uh, if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us, you know, put a review up there or something like that. So more people can hear about us. And also if uh, you, uh, you know, if uh, you're on Facebook, be sure to like us and uh, you can converse with me at uh, feedback at onscreentobeyond.com. And uh, it's always good to hear from people. So that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. <laughs>